It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable too. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. You're listening to BGN Radio. Now, we had this guy on today named Brandon Lee Gowton. Now, who the hell is he? Can you, tell, Martin, can you tell me who this is? He writes for Bleeding Green Nation. Now, is Bleeding Green Nation something that people read? I thought Brandon Lee Gowton was an actor. I think he was a country singer. Right here on BleedingGreenNation.com. Fueled by Duncan Philly and part of the Liberty Broadcast Network. to episode number 107 and we are just turning and burning here as we've got we're uh, more and more football action we're getting a little closer to football season so we're here to preview uh the birds and the other birds the ravens after uh we're recording this uh, wednesday night so we won't have a complete total thing but i promise you if uh if you know things change uh, starters change there's injuries Whatever it is, we'll keep updating this podcast to uh, the fullest. And also want to remind you, you guys have been doing one hell of a job subscribing to iTunes, leaving us ratings and reviews. If, if you're out there and you are listening to us, please head to iTunes, subscribe, rate, and review any way possible. It helps grow the podcast, and we always want your feedback. So we want to hear from everybody uh, that's listening, and we want your feedback so we can you know, get, uh, do all those good things. I will also note that there, I, I've seen a lot of people 
kind of uh, a complaint about the autoplay uh, when we post these things on the blog. And trust me, guys, I understand. It's a little bit frustrating. But the whole reason why we do that in the first place, we've noticed that more people find out about the podcast that way. So that's that's what, you know, kind of goes into it. That That's the decision. I understand it can get a little annoying, but just, you know, for that, I think the benefit is just for everybody to kind of hear that. So, but I hear, I definitely hear where you're coming from and we'll try and work out a solution. So it's not as crazy, but Hey, we're not like CSN or anything. We're not like blasting videos and ads and all that stuff. When you just want to read an article, we will never do that. We promise. But, uh, with all of that uh, out of the way, let's welcome in the a preview crew as, uh, the, our fearless leader, the, the one in the only Mr. BLG. What's happening, Brandon? Hey, it's been a while since I've been on here. I'm glad to be back. I know. We uh, thank you for calling in uh, on on the last go. We know we couldn't uh, get everything uh, worked out, but uh, you know we're going to get into uh, what Brandon saw today at the combined practices, and uh, hopefully he's going to tell me some good things about old old Sammy Starship Seven over there, uh, and, and of course Mr. Patrick Wall, who is I got to tell you, and I'm this is just John, just to I, I I know I'm biased here, and you're going to be like yeah whatever, but. The one-two punch of Brandon Lee Gout and, and, and Patrick Wall on post-game day is phenomenal. Patrick, you did a phenomenal job, my man, getting those quotes and everything, and he welcomes uh, uh, we welcome him right on the show right now. P-Wall, what's happening, buddy? Johnny, nothing makes me feel good about my life quite as much <laughs> as hearing you introduce me on the podcast. <laughs> Oh boy. well, you know you got uh, you got popcorn. You're moving soon. This is a it's a win win, buddy. I think you, you got a lot of stuff to look up for. So let's get right into it, guys. BLG things that you know made you go wow, and things that maybe might have made you go ugh uh, at uh, you know training camp this week. Sam Bradford would make me go wow. Uh, nice. <laughs> yeah, doesn't that great to hear? Sam uh, Walford. Sam Walford. Hey. He uh, Sam Goodford even definitely Sam- look. Definitely look good this week. Uh, not so much today. I wouldn't say he looked bad today against the Ravens. Uh, I would say just you know he looked more good than bad. But but the the big day was yesterday. They weren't wearing pads, so you know take it for what it's worth. But he was just lighting guys up. Really, the key thing with him, I think, is he imposes his will on the defense. Like he has an idea of where the ball is going, and he's putting it there. And defense isn't going to stop him. He's going to put that ball in a tight space. And going back to what we saw on on uh, Sunday against the Colts, I mean, how could he not be excited about that when you're seeing a guy like Sam Bradford throwing the ball into tight areas and making plays where it doesn't even look like there's a play to be made? And imagine giving him the kind of wide-open receivers that Mark Sanchez had and was missing, like Trey Burton on the first play of the game and then later Jordan mm-hmm. Matthews. I mean, those guys, that those should have been touchdowns, 100% should have been touchdowns. There are other throws Sanchez missed where, you know, they had an easy first down. He overthrew Darren Sproles. I mean, those are the plays and those are the the easy errors that I think are going to be eliminated when you see Sam Bradford in there. Yeah, man, that's I mean, dude, I was saying that on the on the postgame show and I just said nobody. I've been saying it a lot. I know this and it's annoying, but I'm going to say it again. No one is ready for this. You guys are not ready for this. I know we can talk about like, hey, this is going to be really great. And yeah, I can be an accurate passer. I've heard game manager the past couple of weeks from some of the national people and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There is, I mean, they don't, and taking, even taking phone calls on the radio station, people have no idea how accurate and where the ball placement can go with this wide open space with Sam Bradford. That is why I am so excited for Saturday. I think we can all agree to that. On, on some level, whether you're anxious, whether you're 
you know, not so sure about this thing, whether you want to be proven right or wrong. Patrick, I mean, that's pretty much the crux of this week, right? We want to see Sam Bradford. We want to see the knee. We want to see the mobility. We want to see everything. 100%. And I mean, I think what you saw during the game on Saturday was, like you said, there's wide open receivers and there's, uh, you know, mismatches to be exploited and holes to be to be uh, corrected. And, 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 you know, it's preseason. Everything is vanilla. The offense is vanilla. The defense they're going against is going to be vanilla. But there's enough signs of excitement there that you really just can't wait to see Sam Bradford out there and really see kind of at a base level what this team is going to look like. I mean, we've been hearing, you know, all offseason about how, you know, Sam Bradford's going to be great, guys. And then it's like, okay, yeah, sure, we'll see. And then training camp rolls around and things look really good. Things are promising. Uh, there was a report early in the offseason that Brandon wrote about where, uh, uh, you know, the, the front office is apparently ecstatic with the way that Bradford has played so far in the offseason to the extent that maybe that's why they were uh, a little bit more comfortable holding him out of last week's game. But I mean, this is this is great. He gets to he gets to see the field at the link for the first time. And you know, I think everybody's really excited. Brandon, well, I guess what would disappoint you going into this game that maybe will will besides injury, obviously, if that happens the season season dramatically changes we're talking about a third round pick all that other stuff that aside and his career is probably over at that point but I mean like from that perspective what would I guess concern you from is it just like not taking what you're seeing on the practice field and not applying it there would it be like you know throwing to ghosts basically or feeling ghost pressure something like that what's what's I guess the worst that you would hate to see with Sam Bradford on the field I think it would have to do with pressure. I think that's the big test at this point. You know, we see we've seen what he can do when there isn't pressure and he has time to throw and practice. Uh, we haven't seen him move on the run a lot, as Jimmy Kemsky noted last week. Although maybe Jim or Sam Bradford was reading reading some of Jimmy Kemsky's <laughs> blog posts because <laughs> because Sam has been a little bit more mobile in practice. I think you want to see him uh, just that's the big thing. Just see how he handles pressure. See how. As much as you don't want to see Sam Bradford get hit, I think you almost want to see him get hit just to see how he gets back up real quick. And then he shows he he proved he can take a hit. Uh, I think that's the big thing I'm looking for, really. You know, uh, if he's if he's rusty, you know, that's really not the biggest concern. It's preseason. It's his first live action. I, I think he can't really read into that a whole lot. I think it's really about how he, he handles the pressure. And like you said, you know, make sure he's not – you know, throwing off his back foot like a certain quarterback that, uh, you know, who, who may have used to play for the Eagles. I, I don't know who I'm talking about there, but, you know, I'm, I'm just I'm just throwing out uh, throwing out things there. But, yeah, I think that's the main thing you want to see, how he responds to pressure. Now, I mean, let's just say he comes out blazing here, Patrick. What is the fan base's responses to that after two series? Bang, bang, bang. Then, then what happens? What happens to the landscape? Does everybody finally calm down and say, oh, this is Super Bowl contending team and blah, blah, blah? Or do you think there'll still be some reservation towards I it? I think there's going to be, I think everyone's opinions are just going to get hotter. The takes are just going to get hotter because everyone who's pro Bradford is going to be like, see, we told you. And everyone who's not is going to be like, it's just preseason. It doesn't <laughs> it's matter. Exactly. It's going to be awful until... Well, I, against the Falcons. And just let, let me put that out there because I obviously have been just waiting, waiting and waiting for something. I'm only going to sip a tiny bit of tea, okay, if everything goes right. So just know from me, 
that it might be one Kermit picture out there, but that's probably about it because, again, it'll be a good first step if everything goes right. Patrick, we'll stay with you on this one because we just want to shift over to uh, DeMarco Murray here, and there's been kind of some back and forth this week, you know, some speculation that there might be a little more than just they're keeping him on a pitch count and all this other stuff, but comes out in practice today. Looks like he's, uh, you know, looking pretty good. Do you expect him to have a couple of snaps uh, this week, or do you think uh, probably still not not uh, not going against the Ravens here? That's a good question. I would hope that he goes. Um, I think if you're Chip Kelly, you're probably not overly concerned about him getting out there in the preseason a ton, although you, know, you certainly want to see him. I would say if he doesn't go uh, Saturday, he's going to have to go the week after against uh, the Packers, or, or he's not going to see any time really at all in the preseason. So. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe he sees the first drive and maybe he gets the ball like once and then they pull him before the rest of the starters. But I mean, it's at a certain point, you got to get him used to game speed, especially Philadelphia Eagles, Chip Kelly game speed, I would think. Right. Uh, Yeah, I would. I would assume so. And Brandon, I mean, you saw him today. Uh, Any signs of uh, maybe a tweak, something or other? Did he look pretty smooth today? I think he looked pretty smooth today. I think uh, the Ravens didn't really get a ton of pressure on him. I think here's another thing with that whole pressure thing and what Jimmy brought up. It's very legit what Jimmy said. I'm not trying to trash him here, especially because I know he's probably going to draw a stick figure of me if I did do that. (laughs) The tallest stick figure ever. Just don't call call him a blob. Yeah, I'm not going to call him a blob, but... (laughs) But I think part of the the reason why he's not on the move so much is he just gets rid of the ball so quickly. Like he doesn't need to hold on to the ball and start rolling out of the pocket because most of the time he can get that ball where he wants it if his wide receiver is open or not because he's a great anticipation thrower. I think that's one of the the key things we've seen this yeah. summer. Uh, yeah, I, I haven't really seen any signs of him being hampered when he runs now. When he runs, he's, he's not like Michael Vick out there. I think he does kind of look on the slower side, at least maybe not, you know, not fully there yet when it comes to running full line, full speed, especially like straight ahead or whatever. But I, I don't see any concerns there. Well, and and what about Murray? Do you think he's going to go this week? And Murray, yeah, I think he goes too. Uh, well, I would think so. Yeah, he he practiced on uh, yesterday, on Tuesday. He practiced today, Wednesday. I would think they get him in there for not too not too much at all. You know, a couple snaps or so. Uh, I think they really like Ryan Matthews a lot too. I mean, he's looked great in practice, so I think they're they definitely like to see what he can offer. Uh, this is a really good running back group. I mean, obviously we all know that with Murray and Matthews and Sproles, but I mean, look at Kenyon Barner. I mean, he had that move today. In, in training camp where that's pretty sick <laughs> arthur brown was covering him and oh my gosh he just juked him out of his shoes second, was, second round pick arthur brown if i'm not mistaken correct? yeah uh, yeah ozzy did yep. it again that's ozzy nice did it again <laughs> speaking of ozzy i will note that he and ed manowitz were talking only about like two feet behind me today during hmm, practice i did not hear any interesting conversation but there you go we obviously want to know uh, what you guys are thinking out there too so again probably won't get your calls for the preview but if you, if you see anything that you like hate want to comment on 267-245-6066 you can get in anytime leave a message we'll definitely play it on the air we'll talk about it it's what we're going to do right now we want to hear from you call 
the Duncan Philly Anytime Hotline. Leave us a message and we'll put you on the air. 267 245 6066. That's 267 245 6066. Or tweet your thoughts to us at BGN underscore radio. Hi, this is Lawrence uh, calling from Southern California. I'm a diehard Eagles fan and I just wanted to ask the ceiling of this team and whether you think it'd be possible for the Eagles to win a Super Bowl. If the Eagles uh, manage to have everything click, you know, the offense running like clockwork, uh, the wide receivers showing up, and uh, and on defense, the secondary being much improved and playing that way, the front seven still consistent, does this team have a shot at winning the Super Bowl this year? All right, Lawrence asking the uh, the big question here, fellas. Patrick Wall, are the Eagles a Super Bowl contending team? Maybe. <laughs> I think that's pretty much going to be the answer from all three of us. But yeah, I, ooh, I am inclined to say probably not, but i i can I can envision a world in which they are. Um, I think quarterback aside, there are just too many unknowns on this team, and there's kind of too many, um, you know, things we just we just have no idea at this point. I mean, even if you put aside the almighty guard position, which is, as we know, the most important position in football ever, uh, we have to talk about, you know, the secondary. Um, you got to talk about bringing in just a whole bunch of new players. And if they're able to gel, I don't quite anticipate a 2011 uh, dream team scenario or anything like that. But, you know, you're talking about a lot of new pieces in a lot of new places that you have to kind of hope come together in one year in order to be competitive like that. But that said, if Sam Bradford can come out and be a top uh, top 15 to top eight quarterback or something like that, this team is absolutely going to be in that conversation. And I think with the way the early schedule plays out, I would not be surprised that the Eagles start out, you know, winning six or seven of their first eight games and everyone's talking about them as a Super Bowl contender. Um, I just don't know if they really have what it takes to match up against some of the uh, top-tier NFC teams, but I think they're going to make it interesting, and I think they're going to make it a lot of fun. If they kick the crap out of Atlanta, you you better believe there's going to be like 90, 99% of the audience uh, saying that. BLG, Eagles, Super Bowl team? I would say they're not a Super Bowl favorite by any means, and I think that's where we would all agree. But I think they're they're definitely a contender in the in the broad sense of that if you make the playoffs, you're, any team is almost a Super Bowl contender if you make the playoffs, unless you're the Panthers like last year, you know, somehow get in with a losing record or something. But if if you're, you know, uh, above 500 team making the playoffs, in theory, you know, anyone can get hot. You know, look at the Giants. That's what they've done. They got two, they got hot at the right time two years and they have two Super Bowls out of it. You know, I, I don't know. I'm not saying that's the model to win a Super Bowl there. Uh, but I, I think the Eagles are definitely in the mix. You know, I've said it all this offseason. The main thing is the running game. It all starts with the run. Uh, I know Sam Bradford isn't very important, but that's directly connected to the running game. And that's why I feel like they, they put so much of an effort to to get Murray, to get Matthews, to have these guys. In 2013, the Eagles, were their offense was unstoppable. That's when it was at its best. You know, not last year. There are too many turnovers and everything. And that was because the run game slowed down last year. Now they're trying to get the run game back to where it was. I think it should be a top run game. Uh, I think the offensive line is good enough. Obviously a question mark at right guard, but I don't think that's going to drag everything down. I think between Kelsey and and Barbara even and, and uh, Lane and, and uh, Peters, I think they're going to be good there. 
And I think that's what's really going to open up things for Bradford and, and really help him get to the next level. You saw exactly what the strong running game did for the Cowboys last year. And they had a defense that was not very talented. I think the Eagles are almost trying to, you know, model that. And their defense is even better, so that should, you know, help things even more. Definitely think they're in, uh, in, in the mix to be a contender, absolutely. Uh, it is August 19th, 2015. Uh, ask me again September 19th. <laughs> Honestly, I, I, I don't know. I think they're in a playoff team, and I, I would pretty much just echo what uh, you know what these guys are saying here but who knows if they get and and by that if they are a playoff team then technically i guess they would be a super bowl contender and anything can happen in the playoffs uh once you get in there let's go to the next call this is scott calling from uh california lifelong eagles fan uh something about this whole chick kelly doesn't say hi to people down the hallway thing you say that happens to everybody everywhere every boss has his moments where he's distracted and doesn't say hi to you when you're walking down the hallway. That doesn't happen to professional athletes. These are guys who, their whole lives, they've been treated like gods from Pop Warner on. The man in high school, the man in college, and then they get to the pros, and there are groupies waiting for them when they go to different towns, and they're surrounded by people who stop and stare when they see them in the street. So, uh... Yeah, maybe this is maybe this happens everywhere, but players complain about it because they're not used to it. It could be that. It could also just be that you know all those guys were Andy guys, and they were they were used to the Andy way for a long time. That's that's how they came up in the NFL. That's what they knew. You know, they didn't have an NFL coach before Andy. They were they all drafted or acquired by Andy. So I think that could have been a, a big disconnect. I think you know there's there there are big differences in the way Andy Reid runs things and the way Chip Kelly runs things. So I think, you know, there's there's just a big difference there in management style. And, that, and you see that in any job. You know, you have a boss or, you know, management doing one thing one way and all of a sudden they're gone. And there's there's a new leadership in and things get changed and you don't like it because, you know, people are averse to change. I think, you know, I think that's where part of the issues are coming from. Yeah, I think that's a lot of it. Um, I, I, I hesitate to say that it's because these guys were treated like gods their entire careers because – Frankly, if you're in the NFL and you're not like Miles Austin or somebody like that, you've been prepping for this your entire life and probably everyone you have ever encountered has told you how awesome you are. So I, I don't know that it's it's so much an ego-specific thing. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with – I always go back to the quote that Chip had earlier in the offseason where he said, you know, I want football players who love football, not what football gets them. And I think that's less true with Boykin. I definitely think it was the case with Deshaun and LaShawn. Um, but I think you're just talking about guys who maybe approach the game in a different way or they, um, you know, maybe their priorities are different. I don't know. The whole Boykin thing is just such a, it's such a wrench in the philosophy that it's kind of hard to, to, to point out why he felt that way and the other guys didn't. Um, but I don't know that it really necessarily has anything to do with, with ego or, or, or being told that you're, you're great because I mean these guys are pro football players. They still hear it every day. Yeah, well, and I, I, to some degree, I think you're right. With I mean, Boykin just seems more or less. I've always said this, and you know, we're just kind of regurgitating old takes at this point. But um, Boykin can't play on the outside. Sorry, you know, that's just this is kind of how it rolls. It's not not versatile, and you look across the field and you see every other cornerback on this team can play in or out. Doesn't matter how good or bad that they are, but they can still do all that thing. You know, Boykin couldn't do it. And it's kind of silly, too. And this is this is something that 
I, I've thought about since then. Since then, is if Pittsburgh's not planning him, planning to use him on the outside, it's pretty ridiculous that they pay a fourth or maybe fifth round pick for one year of service, and there's no guarantee he comes back. But uh, moving on from that, as we get back to the field and stuff, and BLG, I just want to go back uh, to some of your training camp notes here. Obviously, one of the bigger names that uh, everybody's kind of been looking out for is the competition with Nolan Carroll, Eric Rowe. Uh, I don't think a lot of us started to uh, suspect that, yeah, and, and mostly because of what you've been saying, is Nolan Carroll is going to have that starting job there. Uh, but is Eric Rowe making this thing a competition? Uh, I, I think Nolan Carroll is reliable in their eyes, and I, I think he definitely has the job. With that said, I, I think uh, Rowe is pushing for playing time. I don't think he's pushing so much for the starting job. It's more about you know, how often he gets on the field. And I, I think he I, – I tweeted this today. I mean, they need to find a way to get him on the field. I, it's hard because I don't think he really belongs in the slot. I think he's kind of a little bit weaker there because, you know, he's he, he's bigger and he's longer. But I just don't think that translates well to the slot. I think, you know, he, it's harder for him to stick with those quick guys. I think he saw that against the Colts. I think uh, Philip Dorsett was in the slot there, not yeah. 100% short. Yeah, and he got beat uh, – kind of got beat today against the Ravens in practice at least once. So it's hard because you don't want to put him there, but you do want to get him out in the field because he can make plays. Today, there was a play where he got beat by Steve Smith, funny enough, in the back of the end zone, but he knocked the ball down right away as it it got into Steve Smith's hands to break up the pass. So uh, he's a talented kid, and I think, honestly, he's probably a little bit farther along than I would have expected. You know, I I thought uh, Carroll would win this pretty easily just because – Nothing against Rowe, but just I think it's hard for these rookies to come in, especially at cornerback, to come in and play right away and be great. Uh, but I, I think the team is definitely confident with Nolan Carroll. And, and let's give Nolan Carroll credit. I thought he looked good against the Colts. I think he only yeah, really, uh, allowed good. one reception, but th- he kept it in front of him, made the tackle right away. Uh, and he's looked good in practice. You know, nothing. He's not a star or anything, but I think he is a solid starter in this league. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of Steve Smith, this comes from uh, Birds 24-7, our good friend Tim McManus. <laughs> That's that classic Steve Smith. I will always love this guy. I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't care. I even if he's playing for whatever opposing team, he is one of the best trash talkers in the league. He was asked, you know, if he likes these joint practices. He says, "No, I'd rather be home. Today's my wife's birthday, and I'm not at home. I'm over here doing this bullshit. <laughs> my wife's miss, and I'm missing my wife's birthday. I'd rather be at home singing happy birthday to my wife instead. I'm out here getting questions to assess a rookie corner." I think that's phenomenal. I, I just can't. There, There is definitely a fight coming, Steve Smith and somebody, and maybe that is Eric Rowe and, and all that other good stuff. But um, and, and the other surprise, not even, I guess, really surprised, just more or less what has been translating over here, Patrick. You're hearing about Walter Thurman had a pick today in camp. Seems to be that, you know, that might work out at safety for him. I mean, is that one of the things you're looking for this week? Yeah, absolutely. And we didn't really see a ton out of him in the first game, which I guess is a good sign if you're a safety. Uh, but, it, you know, the amazing thing is it doesn't really seem like there's a lot of competition there, right? I mean, it, it almost in a way feels Zero. like the quarterback. Yeah, I mean, it feels like the quarterback competition and that they're like, yep, best guy is going to win. Best guy is going to win. I mean, we're not going to put anybody else with the ones, but the best guy is going to win. And, it, I mean, it's just been Walter Thurman the whole time since – Gosh, day one of OTAs, right? Um, so, you know, that's good. That's a good thing. That's one less position you have to worry about. And that's, you know, John, your old friend EJ Biggers won't be back there starting next to oh, Malcolm I, Jenkins. I, I so. got to talk about that. That's going to be crazy, man. How, <laughs> how the hell is EJ Biggers making plays? He looks like a completely new 
cornerback here. I mean, I don't want to build a, a the Corey Unlin trophy or you know statue or anything like that anytime soon. But I don't know, man. The BLG, explain that to me. How how was EJ Biggers looking decent? Like I I didn't expect when when they signed him, it was I was like, all right, that's a camp body for whatever reason to have like you know some competition to push the rookies or anything like that, but. How the hell is EJ Biggers looking halfway decent so far? Well, getting out of Washington helps and getting, getting away <laughs> from uh, Jim Hazlitt. I'm sure that helps a lot, too. So those are those are two things he has going for him. And I think the, the other the dreads, thing, obviously, don't. Oh, yeah, the of course. So that's always key for him. And that's why Denzel Rice is so good. But right. but uh, with EJ Biggers, I think the thing is when, you know, we have to keep his performance in context, I think. You know, when he's going up against backups like he wasn't in, in against the Colts, you know, these are guys who are a lot younger than him, you know, rookies, players who probably don't even belong in the league. You know, veteran or Biggers is a veteran with experience, so he has that advantage on those guys. So, you know, you do expect him to shine in the preseason like that. But he's looked solid in camp. Uh, you know, he he could really be in the mix for the nickel job there too, as much as John would would not like to hear that, because you know, I, I really don't know. If, if that nickel position is settled, because like I said earlier, I think they want to try to get Rowan there, but I just don't think that's going to work out as a full-time thing. Uh, you know, Watkins is in the mix there, but, you know, he kind of had an up-and-down game, and he got the first look there uh, against the Colts. And then Biggers is a guy who played a ton of slot for Washington last year, so he has experience, wasn't very good at it, but at least you can say he knows the position. So I think he could be in the mix there. Uh, also good on special teams. You know, I thought he can contribute there as well. So... It's kind of funny because I've been keeping him off my 53-man rosters for whatever that's worth the whole offseason. But, you know, with, with Ja'Cory going down and and stuff like that, I, I think he really does make the team now. Well, yeah, no, it's not uh, – I mean, I'm, I'm not going to be mad if a guy I think sucks ends up being okay. <laughs> that's like that's, the, that's totally fine, especially if he wants to take over in the slot. Like, I'm on board. I was just surprised that he was – you know, I, he made an impression for the first go. Let's see if that continues type of thing. I was just – I was blown away that it was step for step with some of these, even though they were second and third stringers. Uh, but, you know, and they, uh, I don't know, the other thing that's been kind of popping up here, and I probably wouldn't have even mentioned it, except for today, Patrick, Cody Parkey, missing seven out of 10 and missing a PAT. So, you know, I, I don't, I know kickers are exactly like baseball closers and all that stuff. It's up and down. Sometimes, you know, you're you're in the league for 10 years. Sometimes you have one good year. Then you transfer four places and all that other good stuff. I, I'm, I'm now getting a little concerned about Cody Parkey. I don't want to go through the Alex Henry thing again from last year. I want to make sure that there's a kicker on this football team. Are you worried at all thus far about Cody Parkey? Yeah, a little bit. I am. Um, for whatever reason, I feel better sort of knowing that it's not like there's a lot else out there. So it's not like you can really cut Cody Parkey and be like, okay, well, you know, we'll get somebody better because uh, who was it? Uh, the Steelers needed a new kicker. And yeah, they went with garbage again, too. And we like, were and what we were doing, we we're all laughing at the options that they had in front of them. So Kevin Van Voris still does not have a job, by the way. If anybody's listening out there, 75 yarders, he's hitting. OK, continue. I'm just saying if we're not going to go with him, then we may as well keep Cody Parkey. Right. I mean, because I, I just don't think that. Uh, you're going to really get much of an improvement. And, oh, boy, you really just don't want to have to worry about this. Yeah, yeah that's, what, that's what I'm saying. It's just like it's such a it's such a last, like, it's not an issue. And I don't think it is an issue yet here, BLG. I just think it's, again, it's something to kind of keep an eye on. If he's doing this 
again this weekend. Like if he's, I don't know, if he goes three for five or something like that or just misses a PAT again, do you start to maybe think about it at that point? Yeah, it's a concern. I would say it's it's definitely not a non-issue. So it is <laughs> it yeah. is an issue in some respect, but it's just hard. Like Patrick said, there's just, you can't do any, what do you do about it? You can say, okay, let's bring in Kaker in the camp, but who are you going to bring in? Alex Henry? Like, <laughs> he's, like, <laughs> he's like one of the only guys out there. So there's really no good solution. The only the only real answer is just to hope Cody Parkey gets better. And, and I don't know. It's hard. Like, what else do you do? You just, you say you can hope for that, but you know, you, there's no guarantee that happens. I we'll see, you know, there's still a couple of weeks before the season begins for, for everything to calm down there. But until he, you know, hits a couple in a row here, I mean, it, it you know, it's getting worrisome because these aren't, you know, these aren't like, all right, he's not missing like, all right, 42, whatever, yeah. you know, but like when he's missing like 33, I mean, you know, then you're, you're really starting to worry. Uh, we do want to get into, I mean, obviously I got to bring up Tebow and all that stuff again, but, uh, but before we do that, Patrick, I, you know, I guess the inside linebackers, it, what, by the way, Jordan Zumwalt is available Eagles. If, the, if you're out there, I know he's got a groin injury, but if you want to add to the wonderful inside linebacker depth and want a guy that just plays like Kiko Alonso and hits everything and considers, you know, uh, everything is enemy. Just, just saying. But uh, with that, you know, I'm not, su- I'm not so sure that they're going to really have Kendricks out there. He hasn't been practicing all league. I, I'm not uh, so sure that they're going to have Kiko out there, and definitely not Ryan's. I don't know. Uh, at what point do you think they start have to, you know, warming these guys up here? Two words for you, John. Brad Jones. Hey, Brad it's Jones. It's all happening. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a good question. And it sounded like Chip was pretty adamant and that he didn't really want to cross-train guys inside and outside. And, you know, unfortunately, the two guys that Chip had mentioned, I think it was last week, um, in terms of getting inside and outside snaps, uh, one of them was waived injured recently in, in Brandon Hepburn. So, uh, you know, they are really running, running low on linebackers. And, they you know, they signed a couple guys like, you know, the fringiest of fringe players that you can get, you know, two weeks in a training camp. You're not going to be, you know, excited about anybody or, you know, if a guy like Zumwald is out there, it's for a reason. And, you know, ultimately, I really don't know what, what there is that they can do um, except just kind of try to be smart about these injuries. So, like you said, I mean, if, uh, you know, if if Kiko's not ready to go, don't put him out there. He'll be fine. Uh, you know, same with Kendricks. And, and look, this is we talked about this before. This is why you want to keep Kendricks because if, um, you know, if you didn't have him, you're in even you're in even worse shape. Deeper, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, BLG. Any timetable you think that they'll finally hit the field? Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I don't. I definitely don't think they're in a rush to play those guys. I think at least one of them plays by next week uh, when they they take on the Packers and. You know, they kind of have their dress rehearsal. I think they're definitely anxious to get Kiko on the field at some point just to see what he looks like. And, yeah. you know, he's been, he's been so good in practice. You kind of just want to see what he can do. And he's been, you know, he obviously missed all last season. So you really want to just get him out there and shake off some of the rust. But with Ryan's, you know, you're, you're probably not concerned about that as much. Uh, I, personally, I want to see him. Yeah, <laughs> I just yeah. want to see, I really want to see, see Kendricks and, and Kiko uh, lined up a lot. I mean, those are two dynamic guys. That's going to be really interesting to see how that whole inside linebacker rotation plays out. Yes, yes. Uh, and let's, BLG, let's get into it. Uh, a lot of Barkley, a lot of Tebow talk. Dave Mangles actually had a pretty good article today on why you should just have Tim Tebow as your third guy. 
I am pretty much on that wavelength as well. If you can sell Matt Barkley for literally anything, uh, if you can't, then then I don't know. Uh, but I, I just cannot stand Barkley's arm. That's how much I, I don't care about what whatever happens with the third QB thing. I go back to all the, I remember the Twitter fighting with Dennis, uh, Dennis Deitch from a couple of years back there where you were kind of going back and forth with him. I feel like this is a Casey Matthews Acho situation. Um, but because of Tebow being the guy that he is and the distractions and all that other stuff, do you really care who's the third QB on this football team? I don't care. I don't care about anything. <laughs> I'm leaving the show right now. I don't know. Uh, you know, it's, it, it, when it, I think Dave hit it, hit the nail on the head. I, I, I totally agree with him. I think, you know, if you're down to that third guy anyway, it doesn't really matter. So I don't want to hear... You know, oh, but Barkley looks so much better because he looked like you're gonna kind of just clarify. He looked yeah. terrible. This well, well, why well, is why is he getting? He's, he didn't look good at all. That's well, the why. two first throws skewed everything. It was like he made two good throws, and then like everyone just was like, oh, he was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and in fairness, I kind of did that with Tebow with the first go on the last oh, podcast. That is I was like, true. I was like, up, oh, up, one drive. I'm good. That's good enough for me. <laughs> So, but but again, yeah, it, it, I, I'm just yeah, I'm curious why they didn't transfer over between the they I, they basically had the same kind of thing. It's just Tebow got hit a lot more and held the ball for a lot longer. I think the thing too with with Tebow and I think we might have touched on this before, and I know Matt I think has touched on this is when you're when you're looking for a third quarterback and it doesn't really matter as Dave said. I think you're looking for a guy who basically is just good in the quarterback room. And now I'm saying I'm not saying I have proof that Matt Barkley isn't, but I'm theorizing just because, you know, he's always been the star guy. He was, he was the guy in high school. He was the guy in college at USC. You know, I'm, I'm wondering if Barkley is best suited for the backup role. You know, I think he's, he always wants more. I think he wants to start. I think Tim Tebow at this point in his career knows what he is. He's been out of the league. He knows he's not a starter. He knows he's probably never going to get that shot again. Like Barkley, it's hoping to get at some point. I think Tebow you know, might be the better guy to have uh, just prep, you know, in, in the quarterback room and everything like that. So I, I definitely think Tebow is the guy to stick with. And I think realistically he is the guy they are going to stick with, even if he gets quote unquote outplayed by Matt Barkley in the preseason. I, I really think they would just love to move on from Matt Barkley. I mean, look, they've been trying to do it since last off season yeah. during final <laughs> cuts last year. They tried to do a deal. The Texans showed some interest before they traded for uh, Ryan Mallett. So the, the Eagles have shown they're willing to move on from Matt Barkley. I just don't think there's a scenario where they end up keeping him. And apparently that would make Eagles fans pretty happy. On the poll we have up on BGN right now, who should the Eagles keep as their third string quarterback? 82% with almost... 1,200 votes for Tim Tebow, and then 260 votes for Matt Barkley, 18%. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's a, that's pretty intense there. I'll just say this, and I'll pass it off, pass it off to P. Wall here. Matt Barkley's a douchebag. That's really why I don't want him on the football team. Otherwise, whatever. Uh, P. Wall, do you care uh, either way, quarterback three? I do a little bit in the sense that I, I, I still am of the mind, and this may be it's maybe just I can't shake the Andy Reid uh, Wildcat stuff, but I, I I like the idea of at least having a quarterback three who can do more than almost throw the ball down the field. Like I like the idea of having a quarterback who can run a little bit, even if his arm isn't great. It doesn't matter because neither is Matt Barkley's, and he's your third quarterback, so you're basically screwed either way. I like the idea of having a quarterback who 
you know, is a little bit more multidimensional and, you know, and a, more importantly, I want a quarterback Chip likes, right? I mean, you well, yeah, <laughs> clearly they like, don't like Matt Barkley and and Chip Kelly calls Tim Tebow Timmy. That's what, So that's got to count for something, right? There's a right? lot to that theory. A lot to that Kemsky theory. I, 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 yeah, you can just tell. Same thing. I think same thing for the last offseason. They gave everybody nicknames. I'm very much on that wavelength. Um, I think that's pretty much going to wrap it up for just pretty much everything that's going on. But before we go, uh, BLG, there was there was a fight today, uh, but it wasn't on the field. What happened there, buddy? Yeah, there was a there was a little skirmish, a little confrontation. I would yeah. say nothing too major <laughs> between. Uh, you, you may have heard of these guys before. Uh, Mike Missinelli, seven five, the fanatic. Yeah, who, who, who was he? Who? <laughs> and Josh Innes of WIP, the one, the one who called Jimmy Kemsky uh, uh, a blob. Well, he called him a blob, but as we've been recording on the show, he he took that back. He said he had Jimmy Kemsky confused for someone else. So <laughs> apparently, Jimmy isn't a blob now. But yeah, the thing that went down at training camp, it wasn't a big deal, but uh, I didn't see the whole thing happen. Uh, you have to look at Crossing Broad, and I think there was a post on Philly.com about it to get the whole thing. But I saw the end of it. Basically, it sounded like someone started something. I don't know. There's different versions of the story. But it, what happened in some fashion, at least as Jimmy portrays it, is that you know Mikey Mist kind of made a move towards you know getting up close to Josh Dennis, and, and Josh just kind of backed away real quick. And kind of just got out of there. So only in Philadelphia do we have uh, do we have radio wars and Rider radio fights. host fighting. Yes. Well, here I'll I'll add to this just a little bit because uh, because it's why not? I I I have never been a fan of Josh Innes ever. Not because he works for WIP. I like a lot of the people that are over there. I'm a big, big fan of Spike Eskin um, and you know Joe Giglio and all those guys. I love those guys. That being said. Uh, his argument during the whole blob thing, which I found hilarious as far as he's, oh, yeah, a, it's funny. he's a new media guy and blah, 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 blah. Like he was acting like he wasn't a 30 year old blob himself. Right. And he's acting like he's a 75 year old reporter who only reads the newspaper yet still gets all his news, all his prep work from the computer. Uh, and by the way, I don't see any, uh, you know, that, that's the other thing that kills me. New media is no longer new media now. It's just media because I don't, that's why newspapers are going out of business, folks. That's why radio is declining as far as like, you know, all, all that stuff. It's why it's losing money, blah, blah. Uh, so that being said, uh, then he attacks Jimmy for just like writing analysis and drawing arrows and all that other crap. Josh, I don't know if you know this or not, buddy, but the football has advanced as far as knowledge and all these things and the audience the audience it's the 54 people million people that click on you know bleeding green nation per year to see that type of stuff 60 million 60 million excuse me so that my friend is actually probably larger than the radio station that you currently are on and that's why these things like this and the stuff that jimmy writes and it's why we're all getting jobs here and by the way because uh, I, I know that's how you do your prep, buddy. I know that I know that's you don't pick up newspapers. I know that for a fact. Secondly, uh, I know that uh, there is a, a slight bit of nepotism when you started your career. And a lot of these guys that are on these new media sites that do these podcasts and all that stuff, that's called earning it. So once you actually get to that level, then come talk to everybody that runs these new media sites like Jimmy and all these other guys, because 
guess what, pal? I didn't get handed anything with a silver spoon, and neither did a lot of these guys that are working the beats. And guess what? They've created their own audience and done all that other stuff. So that's my hat tip to you, Mr. Josh Ennis. Patrick Wall, your final thoughts. What do you want to see on Saturday, my friend? Wait, so I got to follow that up and then give you final thoughts? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's just my little rant. <laughs> I, I, it's, it's, it's not just Josh either. It's just that whole, it's the whole freaking thing of like, you know, how how our newspaper and radio industry is declining and yet still like, I don't know, yelling at blogs and all this other stuff. Like that's, <laughs> that is exactly where uh, everything is heading. So anyway, sorry. Patrick, well, final thoughts on anything. Uh, we'll just leave that open there. Uh, obviously, I want to see Sam Bradford. I want to see uh, another sharp performance out of the defensive line. I mean, one thing that, that's been a really pleasant surprise, although I guess it's not a total surprise, is just how how dominant the defensive line seems like it's going to be. I mean, Benny Logan didn't play very much in the first game, but he made his presence felt immediately. And that unit is going to be a lot of fun. A lot of three, four defensive fronts are not very sexy, but these guys are going to be a ton of fun. So I want to kind of see a continuation of that uh, Saturday. I have two things. First thing, I've said this before in the podcast, but uh, I just think the whole conversation about depth is funny, especially relevant because of the right guard situation and everything. I mean, look, every single team in the NFL has weaknesses. There's no team with a perfect roster out there. I mean, you. I think this gets magnified because, you know, you have fans of a certain team and you're not really, ha- you don't have the perspective of following all the other teams. So you're not really, you know, understanding what their concerns are, but every team has weaknesses. So when you're talking about the Eagles and if they have too many question marks and, and, and too many depth issues, there's never going to be a perfect roster. It's just not realistic. So that's one thing. The second thing is, can we have a roaring round of applause for not only Mr. Shiel Kapadia, who uh, left Birds 24-7 after many years or a long time there being a great writer and coming on BGN Radio and re- and recording the best episode yes. of BGN Radio that ever, was, which, that was which never, never aired. <laughs> Woo! Shiel, we'll miss you, buddy. Uh, so I'm- good luck to Shiel. And one more. And, and also... One for Bo Wolf, who left yes. the Philadelphia Eagles today. Thank you, Bo. A, a tremendous loss, one of the biggest losses the Eagles have had all offseason. So, big congrats to those guys and good luck. Tim Tebow said that he was going to miss Bo's energy in just this moment that's right here right. that they were sharing. <laughs> that's right. It's fantastic. And then Bo Alley came later and said, uh, I'd like to change my answer. Uh, I will miss nothing, absolutely nothing. So, uh, a, lot of, a lot of good stuff there, plus a nice little minute and a half video. Uh, for myself, uh, John Barchard, I will be with Chris Stuber. On Saturday and Sunday, Saturday, we have you uh, with the unofficial Eagles pregame show on 97.5, the Fanatic, from 4 to 7. So tune into that, and then we all have the reaction to that Sunday morning from 8 to noon. For myself, John Barcher, for Mr. Brandon Lee Gouton, and of course, Mr. Patrick Wall, we thank you for listening to episode number 107 right here on BleedingGreenNation.com and LibertyBroadcast.co. Sam Bradford. Thanks, guys. You've been listening to BGN Radio right here on BleedingGreenNation.com. Fueled by Duncan Philly and part of the Liberty Broadcast Network.